Welcome to another episode of It's Just Pennies. This is the Stock Whisperer. Before you enjoy today's episode, let me just state this. I am not a financial advisor, so if you're looking for financial advice, please seek an investment professional. The episode that you're about to hear is strictly for educational and informational purposes only. Welcome OTCers. On today's episode, we have a special guest. He's an OTC trader that is willing to talk about his journey, his experiences and lessons. I'd like to welcome the market stalker. How you doing, sir? What's up? What's up? I'm doing just chipper. How about yourself? Man, I'm doing all right. Just looking at the market, it's, it's, it's August. So August is, like I said on the yep. episode, it's not for the week. How you doing? Yeah, the dog days of August, kind of a little bit of the same. I've actually been looking at the, the big boards today. It's a little more red than usual. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I did some of the, the big boards. There were some uh, pre-market movers that had mm-hmm. like uh, opportunities to short. And then you had stuff like Tesla had bad news. So you're getting short and stuff like that or buying a Marna dip after it went down pretty bad. Was it, was it- Yeah, yeah. I had a few shares back from when it was at around like 20 nothing too big but like i remember seeing the first pr i had only like 10 shares but at 20 bucks a pop and then it ran to like 500 at one point but i'm out of it since long but <laughs> yeah this is huge chances there's like some put options shorts all that kind of stuff there's a lot of that going on right now yeah i saw the announcement that pfizer and some other companies are supposed to talk like right before the market close so it's going to be interesting to see if like mrna moderna and them move back up so definitely something yeah eye on. <laughs> a bunch of those micro caps the on the when the vaccine wasn't like made or, or stuff just those like micro biotech companies and stuff were running like crazy at, at one point you know so yeah. kind of interesting to see them kind of wave through but then the and then in the otc world i've I just been adding positions like any other ss monopoly dips or Keep an eye on PBYA. You know, they're penny stock exempt now. So that's a that's a good thing, too. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, but let's just dive into it. I know we just started talking. So how long you been trading in uh, stocks in general? Uh, right around 2019 or so. I kind of just was I didn't know much. I just made I made like a Robin Hood account and just sort of like was buying ETF, just normal like index funds or just chopping it up with coworkers and just not, you know, nothing too crazy in terms of like research and whatnot. And right around when the big tank happened in March with the, uh, you know, the whole COVID crash, I guess, was is that we weren't going into the office and that sort of thing. So like a lot of people, I think I started looking into what can I do to make more money in this time while I'm home. That kind of triggered the whole, you know, I'm looking more into just the market in general, not specific to OTC, but just sort of market you know, happenings and news and learning a little about TA and all that sort of stuff. And I remember one day I was looking, I forget what, I think it was FinScreener I was using. And I was just looking at the top gainers for the day. And I saw this stock and it moved like 9,000% or (laughs) something to that. It was just one of those like kind of dead penny stocks that had like a thousand in volumes. Like one guy purchased something. So it looked like the percentage gain is crazy like that. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's just dead, dead. And then like one person buys something. So it moves like crazy kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember seeing that. And this is again, what I didn't know anything about OTCs, but I remember looking at it like how in the world could a stock have possibly moved, you know, 9,000% in one day. And so that kind of started the whole rabbit hole of looking into 
to OTCs in general. That was from then until when I actually started diving in. It was just I was going nuts, like pulling all nighters, just researching. Because I was like, how how is how does this even exist? Like how do how do stocks move this this rapidly and like uh, it's just so so crazily in short amounts of time? And like no, I've never heard anybody in my life kind of mention the the OTC or. And if they do, it's in like a negative sense, like pink sheets in general. I think they obviously get a bad rap for being so speculative in, in a general sense. So, so yeah, uh, not too long I've been trading, but I feel like I took a long span of time to to learn first before I started actually putting my, my money where my, my thought is. Definitely makes sense. And now since you, you've had a taste of the major markets and then you had a taste of OTC, which one do you prefer? I guess it really depends on whatever the particular person is, is is looking for, right? So I, me in my head, I was like, even aside from the market, at that point in my life, I was like, how can I make the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time? <laughs> I know it's like a question that it's plenty of people ask that or even go as far as to Google things like that, right? And so for me, it's like, I, I definitely prefer the OTC because the the potential there is is astounding and the amount of research that you can do, like, I just feel as if you have more control generally, whereas obviously the big boards are longer term, they're they're more safe, I guess, for lack of a better word. And I just feel like my 401 is doing that anyways, right? So like, like if that if that's sitting there doing the three to 10% gain annually or whatever, like, why don't I take a small segment of that and try to put it into assets that move cr- like in a crazy way, right? Or crazy lack for a better word right it's, mm-hmm. or you know move so um so up and down so i prefer otcs but it really just for for anyone kind of listening it really just depends on what you're after right like if i'm close to retirement or something like why would i dump why would i dump my funds into something that's generally more speculative or or, or what so have you you know yeah now that that makes sense i mean i think it does matter like you said what point of your life but heck even some of the some people who are you know older in age right they're at retirement still like some of the the volatility the otc brings um with of course yeah i think it also depends on a person's risk versus reward right so like you know if you want a greater a greater reward sometimes you gotta take a greater risk and not everyone is like the most disciplined (laughs) trader Right, right. Or has the stomach to gall fifty percent losses in a day, or like, or, you know, it's a if you're sixty five and you have a heart condition, I wouldn't recommend the OTC, right? Like, like it's, it's the way it moves, right? So they probably should take some CBD before. <laughs> yeah, or some something of this sort, right? <laughs> actually, um, on the big board stuff, actually, the my main thing that I've been that I've seen the the most success on the big wins is is actually options trading. So I don't want to leave that out as something that it you can make the the percentage gains are just equally as 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 nuts as some of the OTC runners, right? If you time something or you have an inkling about a earnings report or something like obviously options trading is I actually think you can make more in a quicker amount of time, but it just involves more like you got to be on it. You know, like you got to be on the charts on the, at that exact minute instead of buying and holding, right? Oh, yeah. So you know, the, there is that side of it too, but it's it's almost more risky because options can obviously go to zero upon expiring. So it's not, it's not for the faint of heart, as we said, right? Uh, so uh, yeah, it's always a catch twenty two. I think options options is becoming more common, especially now. 
because of like, to me, it's equivalent in in a way to the OTC. Like some people are like, I don't have a lot of money at times, right, to invest to get bigger gains. But mm-hmm. if I want to stay major market, I can, you know, dive into some options and where I can right. invest little, but the payout is massive at times. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, so definitely. If you nail something. Yeah. <laughs> But you can lose a lot too, just like anything as well with the option too. It's not that's another one, right? That's not for the the faint of heart. Yeah, as I said, and again, they can literally go to to zero, right? Like, so you 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 place that big bet at your own risk. I mean, that I've had that happen before so many times, where it's like if your heart drops out of your stuff. You're like, wow, I, I'm at zero. Like, like, like that on the particular play, right? So now it's definitely makes sense. So, mm-hmm. how has your journey? This two part question: How has your journey overall been with stocks, and how, and specifically, how has it been with the OTC? So overall, again, as I said early on, it's just the no more than the the common folk in terms of just like knowledge. Like I never really looked into it. It's just I feel like. All of a sudden, people were talking more generally about markets, probably because of the one, the crash, and then two, obviously all the the retail stuff that's been happening was, like, as people refer to the meme stocks or the, the the Reddit threads for things like GameStop and AMC. So it's just part of the conversation, I guess, more just in your in your normal day, like it was on the news and stuff, right? So like people, <laughs> your everyday normal news, like all of a sudden my parents are talking to me a little more about like stocks and stuff because they're seeing it on like their nightly news. So the kind of the, the journey from there is I'm just invested in these safe long-term ETF kind of thing. The the crash happens. You sit there and you're like, well, well, what the hell? Like, what, <laughs> what was that? Like, as as someone who was not like so deeply into the market at that point, and then I took most of quarantine as like a time to to like research, as I said, and to try to learn as much as I possibly could in like a short amount of time. And most of that was dedicated to to OTC. So. And I don't I don't mind even being transparent with numbers. In like March, I put ten grand in my TD account strictly for OTCs, and I caught that amazing run that happened in, in OTCs where things were. I, I I don't even really know why to this day, but you could have put <laughs> you could have put money in, in in not only were the percentages of like the whole market moving up in in OTCs, but like. There were more viable trip plays as well. Like you could buy a point zero 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 one, and there was like hundreds of them that all ran to like doubles and some to pennies. I caught a few that went to like three cents from point zero zero one. So from that ten k, I was I got it. I think it ran to maybe like around three hundred k or so right before that kind of February lull. Where again, I think most OTC traders recognize this as like from November to February. There was just an influx of money or something that kind of pushed everything. So I got to right around 250, 300K-ish or so. And then actually from there, I um, while all that was happening, I was holding like my OTC positions. I was dedicating a lot of time to learning about options as well. So I was like, well, now that I have a lot more capital, why don't I try some options plays? I went from, <laughs> I went from like 300K to right around a million. To right around 2.3 million and then back down to like 70 grand 
<laughs> just to give you, so just to give you a sense of like the the the, the wildness it, to me it's like because i started with 10 grand so i'm like uh, you know like what the hell like why don't i go as nuts as i possibly can and when i, I at the high you, you gotta imagine i'm sitting here like wow like a couple months ago i'm like arguing with my boss about a three percent raise and now i'm sitting here like with a couple million dollars <laughs> lo and behold again i ended up going way back down and i've since re recouped most of that and at points you know have, have have gone up or down or what so have you but at that time that journey taught me a lot about life i guess to be honest like <laughs> the the way you feel about having that much capital or the way you feel about what you're doing in your particular life or like it kind of opens up those floodgates so, so that's kind of been my my journey and right now i am leaning a little more safer but i am still trying to to look at the overall like both big boards in in the otc market and just kind of navigate through what is maybe to possibly come next on both sides because it just seems like a a unique time i think a year or two from now we're gonna look back at like the end of this year and be like that was a turning point in some way for something you, you know what i mean like it just seems uh, definitely <laughs> things there, there's, things are in like a flux there's always those turning points right so like when when everything started crashing i think it, everything crashed and then even on the big boards like test was like 50 bucks and then as soon as they said we're going to start opening up everything took back off so like sure, yeah it was those windows of opportunities as far as like even if you panic so you had opportunity opportunity to like recoup so much more yeah yeah but if, see, if you were buying at the bottom of that oh, yeah. on the big on the big board side which a lot of people were and again a lot of at least in my sphere of people people were more just interested generally in stocks like the big boards were tesla i can't go a day without some friend of mine mentioning tesla as a good investor <laughs> you know I mean? so i just imagine that on like the full scale that at the bottom of that crash i think a lot of i mean you could see it on the volume charts like just so much money was poured in but a lot of people are uh, sorry to cut you off i just uh, uh now you're fine but then i but then with the otc if you remember the gamestop all that had took off and like so you had all these brokerages, uh, mutual funds, like all these ridiculous financial institutions that were like being reported, right? Taking these massive losses. Yeah. I, I personally think, and this is just my theory, so I'm not pointing anyone that a lot of like the big wigs recouped a lot of their money by buying literally everything in the OTC. Because if you remember, everything shot up and then all at once in a month, I think it was like in the January. Ah, January, that's just, a good theory. It just tanked and like like it went from everything all time high. You can put like you said, throw a dart even in like crap that had no financials was running from like trip one to like one. Yeah, and yeah, and then it just the floodgates opened and then for like two or three weeks, literally OTC was like bloody red. Like it was like last yeah the the <laughs> last <laughs> the last couple of weeks of February. Or I was looking back at some of my tweets. I like to go back and try to find like things that I mentioned that might have worked and kind of figure out why. But I was looking back and yeah, those last two weeks in February and then I think March, it's it was bloody out there in, the, in OTC. That's a good theory. I haven't heard that one yet. That So I think that's that, how they made up a lot of their money. It's like by causing a whole bunch of crap stocks to run, people were buying and then they sold. Somebody had to pay the price. And I 
and sure. it wasn't going to be them. <laughs> well, they also, like a big thing, obviously, as you know, maybe even more so than like big boards and like NYSE and NASDAQ stocks is we deal a lot with the the, the market makers and, and like look because we're we're moving from point zero zero something to point zero zero something so like we're we're more avid probably in watching like level twos and, and things of that nature because it makes such a big difference your your entry point but a, a lot of um it, it, it they have those relationships I guess is what I'm getting at like those bigger funds is like they could probably call up a a market maker or something you know like so what you're saying kind of makes sense like they they're closer to the whole oh yeah uh, to, to to that whole thing so that actually makes a lot of sense right <laughs> i hadn't thought of that one because then after that it was then the whole sec was like caught on we need to start suspending stuff like that's when right after market tank right in the otc <laughs> the sec start coming out with deadlines and then i think stuff start getting suspended and it was like, yeah. So it's like a catch twenty two on, <laughs> on all that. That's why I was like, ah, this was easily manipulated. You can call you can call me like a conspiracy theorist or something because I've said this a couple a couple times and like people don't always have. Well, first of all, it's hard. It's rare to just within my circle of people that I know to have like a real conversation about OTC markets because it's such a niche thing that like not. I feel like the someone walking down the street just doesn't like know ab- about it kind of thing. But the few that I, I've had, the, the it almost feels like the SEC stuff that was coming out around that time. It almost felt like planned in a weird way. Again, I'm definitely on the on the the wackier conspiracy kind of side of this, but it almost felt like a smokescreen that they used the Reddit stuff, the the meme stocks, if so, if so to speak, to pass these SEC regulations that they wanted to, but they didn't have like public, um, like it wasn't a hot topic issue or, or so, like there weren't people calling them demanding there be more regulations or something like, like, I don't know how to properly say no, it, I but, but. Yeah, no, 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 it, there's always something like where there's smoke there, you know, there's fire and, and all that stuff. So definitely, yeah, definitely yeah. Uh, I'm, I might not be as big of a conspiracy theorist, but. The SEC doesn't do anything just not to do it, right? There's always sure, sure, <laughs> yeah. I, I had someone say like they probably <laughs> they were probably the ones who were creating the whole buzz just to create some event that they again. I'm not saying that there's any credibility to this. This is way off the left field kind of thing, but like that they the SEC or like Congress or something like made all that happen so that they could pass like particular legislation and stuff. And I was like, that's not that great. Like it's not the most outrageous thing I've ever heard, but I'm not saying I believe it or that I even give more than a minute a day to think about stuff like that. <laughs> but, yeah. but like that kind of thing. You know, another thing actually with the meme stocks that I really hate is um, so like in OTC, that that run that happened you know, a lot of new traders were, were making a, a lot of money in that sense, too. And I actually strongly dislike being grouped in with the whole like AMC and GameStop phenomena that happened. Because to me, it's like, no, I've been busting my head for the last three months, like trying to learn all this share structure and uh, OTC markets, the websites and TA and all that stuff. I didn't just blindly buy GameStop or like... Um, or again amc or something like that on this like reddit thread or something you know what i mean do you ever get a sense of that or like like if i say it i don't pay any attention to that like like i uh i don't mind 
so you got to realize who you're talking to too, right? So like depending on who you're talking to, they're probably lumping because they don't understand the OTC. So a lot of people even now that do major markets, they struggle with the OTC because they try to apply the same principles. Like most people I know who have success in OTC, they have success in major markets, but it's most people who have success in major markets struggle with the OTC. Yeah. You know? Yep. So let me ask you this then, because you, you spoke about, you know, having that being up over 2 million and going back down to 70. How did you handle the roller coaster ride? Probably not well, a lot of booze. <laughs> I mean, for real, I mean, I had never, I, like, I've never seen that kind of money just like for myself. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was kind of, as I mentioned before, it like, it almost changes your, your life, just like the way that you're thinking, not just on a monetary value, but just like all of a sudden you're thinking about like all these other kinds of things. I mean, from a pure trading perspective, once I was back down to set, it got even worse. Like that was just in a couple days, like from the 70, I went back down to like 25 over like a, a few week stretches. Like it's, so I'm sitting there like, I can't believe what's happening. So it took a lot of um, just like self-evaluation or like you like I, like looking at all these like pep talk kind of things or just like you know like just trying to get because the the transform I wanted to make in my mind originally was to just learn the most I could about money in general and how people become wealthy and that ultimately led to this this whole journey. So I try to go back to those principles and stuff like I read all the same books again or like I went and found different podcasts that kind of had the those messages and, and that kind of thing and like I stopped trading obviously for a little bit I took like a sabbatical I went up to Vermont and just like was chilling in the mountains like because like, like, I mean really you know 2.3 million dollars to $25,000 in a span of weeks is like people don't see that in decades or, or ever period you know yeah I'm pretty sure someone's listening right now and cringing like like <laughs> yeah no it's and, but it wasn't otc like i'm not so anyone listening like i'm not trying to deter or anything from from trade it, it was it was options it was greed it was like it was just a lot of um kind of like rookie rookie stuff like seasoned traders they you know i had no hedges i just looking back i can say all that stuff now but in the moment i'm sitting there in a casino as far as i'm concerned you know but i'm just you, like you bring up a valid point though because even though it wasn't all OTC as far as you even getting from 10 to 2 point over 2 million and then coming back down, you, there's some still key factors in learning, right? Because one of the biggest things you said was greed. And think about the people who were, you know, informed of NSAV and the trips. It goes to 14 cent and no one takes profit. Yeah. And then it comes back down and they're all, not all, but if they didn't take profit, they're sad. And it's like, at what point do you, you know, you, you realize like, okay, at least this is enough for me to take this out and then be like, if I make more, fine. If it goes down, fine. So that never crossed your mind when you're over like 2 million to be like, let me take some it, out just in case. <laughs> well, on the, you're arguing over a 3% raise. It's like, you know what, boss? I don't even need the raise. I'm out. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, that's just like, but when I went, when I originally went from the 10K to right around 250 or 300 or so, I actually did take profits. I sold, I I think my, my main ones at that time were, uh, I believe it was 
like GTLL had ran from trips to like three cents. HCMC was in like its its move up. MaxD went to like a penny. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones I had, but but I I like I I sold mo- most of them, and I, I was liquid probably around like like I said like 300k or so. And what I did have uh, was that post February lull, and it went back down to like like a hundred grand or so. And that's when I completely sold everything, and I was like, okay, I now have a hundred grand to play with kind of thing mm-hmm. what do i do and that's where i went on this like crazy options binge pretty much and and so i had a little bit of that, of that sense of i should sell like i don't know what what is making like it was the opposite of greed it was almost like gratuity i was like oh my god i was i now have an extra three hundred thousand dollars to do whatever it is that i so please kind of thing it was the the, the greed came after I guess after right around a million or something, it's a nice round number or plateau or or, or thing that, that people, I really started to feel like I was something special or something to that extent, or that I had the magic, like <laughs> the magic touch or, or, or what so have you. So that's really where it kicked in, where it's like, why would I need more than this right now? I just had $10,000 in this account and now I have 2.3 million. Like, why would I gamble it all on like uh, a S&P 500 put or something, you know, something so like <laughs> that I have no control over. There's no real research that, you, you know, so, so yeah, it, it, greed definitely took it from there. But that's what tripped me up about it is that I did sell at one point and I was like, all right, l- let me reset. So like, you think you have it? When things started to fall, I was like, yeah, I already sold, I already got my bag or whatever. <laughs> so from there, it just kind of obviously tumbled back down. But it was it was great to learn those lessons, to be honest. I actually wouldn't, I, guess I say this in hindsight because I'm back, I'm, I'm back well over it pretty much. And so in hindsight, I can sit there and say, oh, it's good to learn those lessons. But at the moment, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> like what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> your liver your liver's hurting because you're drinking and it's like right. i'm just like acting out like people are like what's because i didn't tell anybody also that this is happening to me right i'm just like in my basement and then i go get casual drinks with my friends and like no one knows that this is happening kind of because I, I i'm a person i don't really like people in my in my business to that extent so i'm just like living my normal life on the outside but i definitely started acting like just like a excuse my language just like just like like <laughs> i just was being very angry and like and again no one can relate or like i didn't even tell anyone that the come up had happened so why would i mention it now when i'm back down to 25 kind of thing so yeah so yeah i mean that was just a big anyone out i mean this happens all the time like you mentioned the nsav i'm sure like all those big dips and rips like people really like lose <laughs> that whole momentum that they like they were just thinking about their whole lives in a different way like a week ago their whole life everything their families and everything and then all of a sudden it just like drastically changes so like how do you deal with that adversity right how do you pivot how do you recoup your thoughts and, and that sort of thing it's it's a big thing i think it's so, like so tell us how do you handle big losses right so and it's it's good that you bring that up because people who listen a lot of people struggle with being in the red, handling losses. And here you are like, look, I went from 10 to over 2 million to back to 25. So how do you handle, you take the sabbatical, then you come back. So what mindset do you have to be like, you know what? I'm about to go get this money right back. 
Well, for me, it's like it was almost an arrogance that like I was able to do it in the first place, which means that I am capable, right? Like I know how to do this. So it's not a big thing to do it again because I took the time to actually like learn this. It, it, it is the difference between, I guess, like the mean stock stuff or someone who bought into to Bitcoin because it was a fad versus like actually knowing like the fundamentals of what it is and and how it trades and all that sort of stuff. So in my head, I'm like, I'm good because I, t- I know how to do this. I, you could, <laughs> there's like a Diddy quote that I love where he's like, you can throw me in the jungle. I'll come out with like a chinchilla coat or something <laughs> like that. And that's like, I, I just like was saying that in my head <laughs> pretty much where it's, it's almost like I have nothing to lose or, or whatever. This, this isn't like the proper thing or that I would actually tell someone if, if I was just like, trying to advise how to actually do it. But that was truly my mindset that I had to just be like, okay, I can do it again because I know how to do this. It wasn't a whim. I didn't, I didn't need anybody else else's input or advice. Cause I did this all on my own in my own head kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it wasn't a fluke. I know I can do it again kind of thing. So that it just took a while to get there because you just got to deal with the, the loss first um, on like a human level, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I've taken major losses. Most of them been unrealized, but you still don't. You're like, man, this is what my count was. Like, that <laughs> yeah. was this. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. I'm like looking at all different like cars and houses and, you know, like <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And then it's just like, you know, bam, it's it, it, it's um it's not gone because, it, again, in my head, I, I try to have this mindset that uh, money is is uh, abundant it's oh there's a lot of it out there i just need to translate the right thoughts in order to exchange for that like monetary value for my thoughts so not even so much with the stock market but that's just how i believe about uh, just money in general that it's more of an exchange for my thoughts being uh, exchanged in some way so if i since i have unlimited thoughts i truly believe that I can make an unlimited amount of money as long as I am thinking in a particular way, right? So, but that's like really hard to think like that. That's not, it's not like, again, the advice that I'd actually give someone to practically go through, through that whole like mindset. Like when you lose that, it's more about mental preparation on a trading side, Yeah, but right? You, like, but I also think that has to be some kind of your upbringing too, though. Like, like you can't, that's not a mindset you just have. 99% of people, we don't have that mindset right away. It's it's something that there was something installed in you, maybe you was a kid or whatever, that you every time you took a loss, it was like, I'm about to bounce right back, right? So as you got older, it's still that same mindset. It's like, okay, I lost some $2 million. I'm about to get it right back. Like It's like a hustler mentality, sure. right? So it's something sure, yeah. you just did at a bigger scale. Like, and you're sharing it with the world now, you know. So when people hear, they're gonna be like, "Look, yeah, like uh, <laughs> examples are examples are huge." I mean, like it's it's tangible, it's real. I, I could show you the graph on my TD account. It looks wild. It's like you're up like twenty thousand percent or whatever. Like who? Aside from this OTC kind of like niche of people that that I have, and that's why I made this Twitter account. This is just follow those kinds of things. Like you don't hear about stuff like that like that's wild yeah that is not even in a good way in, in some cases again that loss is wild like who who i tell people this that know that i that i trade and not to some extent i'm like have you ever lost like five hundred thousand dollars in a day 
Like, are you ready? Are you ready to do that? Are you really ready to do that? Can you handle that? Yes. I think so. <laughs> so. So what keeps you going? Right. So I like you're you're at a point, right, where you lost money, you made money, you lost it, you back recruit some of it. What keeps you going to be like, I'm not going to quit doing this? Like there has to be. Uh, your, what's, what's your why behind all this? I'd say overall, and let's say, let, let's say that like uh, money and investments and capital wasn't the, the way to um, obtain the, my why. Let's say it was something else because I, I try to remove it from it that this is that stocks are just an avenue of which I can um, create the money to do something else. Like my why is definitely freedom and control for the most part. Like I want, I, I seek, I, I relish in having true freedom and true control and, and people lie to themselves about what, what, um, what control actually is. So what's control to you? Having options, waking up when I truly want, having the the ability to really do what I want, when I want, how I want, in a way that's like, if you're employed by any by anybody, you don't have that. Sorry to break it to anybody listening. <laughs> you need to be the employer of which to to have that. You know, for every for every owner, there's 99 employees. For every one percent, there's the 99 percent. For every creator, there's 99 consumers or, or or what so have you. So I I personally seek control and I love the the freedom. But control would probably be the the biggest why. And I guess I want to say security. But not in a sense, because if I if security was such a, a thing, then I would just still be at a nine to five or like because that's more secure. But I, I mean, security more so for like my, my loved ones, my friends and family, that kind of thing, like security for them and control for them, too. I mean, a lot of people in this world do like or have to do a lot of messed up stuff for money to like live. You know what I mean? So I don't want any of my my, my people to ever be in those kinds of positions like having just the choices and options and and the ability to 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 not have to confront some of the the terrible crap that goes on (laughs) that has to go on in this world it's like a big thing to me obviously too so that's like a a a driver of course now that makes that makes a ton of sense so let me let's rewind a little growing up how was was investing financial discussions a a topic in your in in your childhood uh, not mon- money was discussed, but not not so much. So, like a lot of people say to save money, for example, right? Or, or in my particular uh, upbringing, like saving money was a, a big thing that was 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 told to me. Like money was discussed and stuff. But when I went through this whole like mind shift change, probably during during quarantine when I was learning more about like investments and that sort of stuff, I hate the idea of saving because it. It makes it seem as if money isn't abundant, that there isn't a lot of it, that every time I get money, I need to like keep like keep it and, and grab it and put it somewhere so no one can touch it or see it and not even myself kind of thing. So I hate the idea of, of saving, but that was like the big thing when I was like, or even now if I have a casual conversation with my parents about anything like money related, it's like money's hard to get. Um you should save your money, that kind of thing. When that's not really how I, I believe, I, 
if you believe money's hard to get, it's going to be hard to get because that's just how your brain is like <laughs> functioning. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, Sorry, it, I don't know if that's too. No, no. no, it does. Because when you're when you were speaking, the first thing when, when you brought up your parents that came to my mind is, you know, your parents just really preaching what they've been taught. And if you really look at it, most older people, there's a handful, right? There's a handful that adjust, but most older people, they're at that level of comfort stage where they're like, why would I take a risk on investing in small companies, right? Or why would I, why would I even do that? Because this has worked for me, not really understanding the fact times have changed, right? Sure. Yeah. Like, inflation has gone up minimum wage is pretty much still the same and it's like but everything costs three four or five times as much so it's like, yeah like it's that, harder to like buy property nowadays than it was before because just like credit and like all, you know yeah like that's definitely a, a big thing too that obviously the logistics of the actual world have definitely changed from gender and they they always will like i'm sure when i have offspring of some sort and i talk to them about money just the conditions of which they're in aren't going to be the same, you know? But I think the speeches will be different. Like right now, even your mindset is different as far as even saving, right? Because I'm similar way. It's like, why would I just want to have money just sitting there in a savings account? Like what value? It doesn't bring me any value sitting there and it doesn't do any value for anyone else versus like, let me try to invest it. You know, let me figure out what yeah. to do with it. You know, I'm not about to accumulate a whole bunch of material things, but I'm not about to have money just sitting under my uh, pillow, right? Just they, yeah, they'll they yeah. be like, "Hey, I got twenty thousand just sitting." And it's <laughs> like, well, what for? So it brings no value. So your conversations now is pretty much like, look, if you choose to work, right? Well, hopefully you're paying it for it, even with your, you know, when you do have some offspring or even with your friends. It's like, like stop. Busting your butt to do 60, 100 hours and argue for that 3% raise that you used to argue about, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, say, I, I say that so much that it's just like all the, like, if you just sit and like don't speak and just listen to what people talk about when it comes to their employment and work and stuff like that, like to me, I, it almost ticks me off, not in it, like, because I'm saying that I'm any better or, or like I'm arrogant in that sense. It's just, I just see it completely differently to where it's like, I don't understand like why these are such big things in your life when there is just so many avenues of which you could change it if you really wanted to. But then it, it goes back to for every owner, there's 99 employees for the 1%, there has to be a 99%. So maybe it is like, I don't want to be a cynical to believe that, but like maybe it is something like it just has to be the, it's a good thing that I'm thinking like this because I have a shot at being so radically different in my thinking that maybe I can be within that that one percent of monetary value and things like that. Like maybe I will be an owner or a producer versus, in my opinion, like the sheep for lack for lack of a better word. You know, so the the lions have to think so drastically different and do different things. Absolutely, in, in a sense. But you're you're also. You serve as an inspiration when you choose to open your mouth too, right? Because I know at times when we talk, you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about like that to my friends or other people. And it's like, are you doing them a disservice? And the only reason I say, sure. the only reason I say that is because a lot of my friends, like I've, I've never forced investing, trading on anyone. And every now and then I would bring it up like decades ago, like 10 years ago, right? I would bring it up and, but I would never keep talking about it. And then 
majority of them probably came around the last few years. But I asked my, I find myself from time to time when I talk to them now, it's like, did I do them a disservice by not speaking about it more? You know? Sure. Yeah. And so yep. that's something definitely you, you might want to consider. Nobody needs to know how much you have, but it's like that whole inspiration of like, we can do better. Right. So there's nothing wrong with, I'm not being, there's nothing wrong with being the employee. Right. But there is something wrong in my opinion with you value your time for your, the company you work for more than you value your time for your, your free. Right. Right. People, people act like they own the companies of which they work for. They get so, so stressed or so like, like, again, it's as if they own, as if, as if they really have something at, at stake there. Like the amount of stress that I see within the vast majority of people within their general employment and all the intricacies and dynamics that like go, go into having a more traditional like job. And, and you, it has to be done though. Like again, security is like a big thing. Like I'm not saying everybody go quit your job or anything, but you're right. That whole, it's just like a mindset of like believing that th- there's more to be had probably in overall life and, and that in your level of happiness with what you are doing and contributing to society or like, or, or even within your company itself, like those kinds of things are for sure. Yeah. Like that's, I agree with that, that like spreading that, kind of positive force is, is, is not a bad thing by any stretch. Yeah. And, and security to me, it's our relative though. Like some people find security in a 401k. Some people find security working for someone. And some people find security, like the freedom to make mistakes, to learn from them, to pursue something else. Right. So it's, yeah, that's all relative. It's, it's when the people who are secure, who find security more on working for someone start you know raising their nose at somebody who's like nah i'm about to go figure this out on my own yeah it's like a it's it's a fallacy too though because in order to so i said control is like a big thing and that that i seek for or that is part of my why and if you think that you're secure at your like normal nine to five like how many times do people get laid off how many times do they not get the particular raise of which they feel as if they're due or how many times do things do it does adversity hit your company or your personal life or something like it's not true security it's like a lie that people tell themselves that they are secure with having like a normal nine a a normal traditional nine to five you know what i mean and i'm sure a lot of people would disagree with that but i i feel as if that's the case like i've been fired a few times or and all of a sudden you're like wow so now i have no income so was that security? Was that secure? <laughs> you know. Absolutely. So. <laughs> so let's let's we uh, circle around a little bit. How or what's one piece of advice you would give to someone who's struggling to deal with losses, as far as in the market, right? They've they've had some success, or maybe they haven't had as much success, and they're they're struggling with dealing with the losses in in their accounts. I'd say. There's nothing wrong with watching for a little bit. There's always something more to know and to learn. And it's never a bad idea to pause and to just, like the plays will always be there. There will always be a play of which, like you're never missing anything by not participating. In my opinion, I I believe this, that like, there's always going to be some play. You never have to rush or unless it's options or something which do have specific, you know, ex, uh, expirations and stuff. But you you can always 
find something. It's just about training yourself and putting yourself in that mindset where you don't need like people who buy tickers based off of just like popular Twitter accounts and stuff like that, or or like reevaluate if, if you're doing that. You, you should try to learn it for yourself because that's the only way. Like if you can do it without any help, that means you're really doing it. And that means if you go back down to zero, like in, in, in my pretty much in my example, you can feel confident that you can replicate it because you're not um, relying on any other exterior thing to, to help you to get back up. Like you're just relying on yourself. So taking the time to really learn about your investments is, is a big thing after you're dealing with loss because you, it gives you a chance to, to reevaluate what it is you're actually doing and your whole strategy and stuff. And then aside from that, on a more kind of vague level, I'd, I'd say keep keeping positive is actually a way more huge thing. I know it sounds so simplistic, but it's like not really feeling it in your soul kind of thing. <laughs> Those crushing defeats, like keeping that upbeat kind of positivity can go a long way in your like you'll just naturally attract more positive like plays or something will come into your life that will make you think in a particular way that might lead you to the next big play pretty much, I believe. So positivity and and um, learning always, I, I think, are big things when uh, you're in the red, okay. just taking a minute to, to evaluate. And I agree. Even I even review my gains, right? So if I do a trade and I, and I get a substan- substantial amount of money, I always go back and even look at how could I have done it better. So to piggyback off what you were saying as far as review winning losses, I say just review all your trades, period, because yeah, you can always execute better than what you did. And if you keep improving 1% each, each trade, you're going to get better regardless. You spoke about learning, right? What are some things, some must-learns in your opinion when it comes to the OTC someone needs to needs to know when they're doing it? I think I'm, I'm big into TA, but I know there's a big school of, of thought with OTCs that like technicals aren't as big of a uh, of a force in the OTC just because of you know how how they're traded and that sort of thing so if you're doing big boards I, I personally like TA but I, and I'm not saying that it's the biggest thing but it helps me a lot maybe it's I'm visual in my learning and, and stuff but aside from that I think share structure is obviously the a thing you could point at. Like if you could really learn the fundamentals on that side of like, like I almost want to hire someone who's really good at balance sheets and stuff to just like <laughs> look at to like look at look at some of the stuff that I there's no way I could understand unless I like took a finance course or something to that effect. But share structure is so huge in in the OTC. If you really understand convertible debt which is outstanding shares and market cap and all, you know, all those sorts of things. They go so far in the OTC. You can even, I was kind of mixing the two schools of thoughts in, in one of my charts where I was using like a volume oscillator and tracking the relative volume versus the OS at different points of time over a span of like five years for a particular ticker and how the price was moving. So I actually had this, I forget the ticker, this was a while ago. I should probably expand on it because it was brilliant in my head, but I was, uh, it was a, a play that was in trips. So when it was in like 0.0004, I had all the proper schematics pretty much to say that the, the MMs are out of fours. So now it's trading like 
how do I properly put this? It was like keeping track of each price per share relative to how many shares were left and the volume or something. I I don't know if that's a little out there or or, or whatever, but it was like combining all those schools. I I thought it was. No, that makes sense. It it, it makes sense. And I think the more more experienced listeners or traders would definitely know what you mean. So you you actually do charts when it comes to OTC? Yeah, yeah, I, I like to. It helps give me just a little more clarity, I guess. Again, it's probably just because I'm, I'm visual. Okay, so because I'm not a fan of charts, but mm-hmm. let me ask you this. When you have a chart, let's say, what are what exactly are you looking for? Because I, I hear people say they use charts, and I'm like, charts are like the eighth thing on my list as far as when it comes to OTC. Sure, yeah. Um, but I'm never going to be like, don't do charts because what works, what don't work for me may work for someone else. So for those who do like charts, what are some things you look for when it comes to specifically for the OTC in relation to the charts? And I know you just spoke about one as far as the charts relative to the share structure at certain points in the volume, but on a normal chart, as far as you, you pull up a chart, what exactly are you looking for? Yeah. So, so since, um, since volume and share structure are such a huge factor in, in OTCs, a normal, very simple volume oscillator can go a long way in just seeing um, what may be like a fake out or like a, like a fake run up or down because you can track the relative volume to it. Mm-hmm. So that would be probably something that's even closer to your realm or like school of thought if you're not using charts at all that. If you if you look at when a particular ticker has like an influx of volume or a lull in volume, you can change the two time cycles. So a volume oscillator has a short cycle and a long cycle, and then the percentage or the points that it gives you is a number based on the relationship between your input of the short and long cycle. So what I do a lot is I use that huge um, the huge run that happened in like January as one so that's like x amount of days and then i use a day or a time cycle of which is like closer to to now where there was a huge influx or lull of volume and then i use those as the two cycles and it kind of gives you a good so if something's running you can tell if it's a real run or if it's just like being fabricated in some sense or if there's like insider movement of shares or something kind of going on so that's one i'd recommend to to otc um people that charts and i mean i like moving averages too i think again because of the way otc companies are are structured there is more firm support and resistance than with big boards i think so you can kind of look at those more firm price per shares based on volume and based on like moving averages and things of that sort. But and now that makes sense. I, I'm gonna have to dive into that. Uh, like, and we're all right, we're, we can always be better traders than what we are. So that's something like I, I personally never thought of it in that way. You know, looking at a chart relative to like determining if it's like a pump and dump, right? Like, so yeah, yeah, there's some keep in mind. There's definitely some indicators out there that they're a little more on the not like the typical oscillators are like a RSI, a MACD, that sort of stuff. But there's some other ones that are, in my opinion, really tailored more so towards OTC. And again, volume is a big one too, because we track volume a lot just because of the way that OTCs and stuff trades. But I'm totally aware that a lot of 
pink sheet traders just don't believe that TA is a big thing. And I get it. I, I just do it to kind of watch it. So I have something visual to be able to refer to. Absolutely. That makes sense. So, uh, and I appreciate you sharing that, you know, your thought process behind that as well, because the next person who's listening to it, that might help them, right? When they're looking at charts, heck, it's going to even have me give me something to study and, and look at on my own, my end on how, how can I be better than what I am, you know? And, and, yeah. And go from there. I know I've been talking to you for, let me ask you one more question. Mm-hmm. What's the ticker you like and why? Uh, that's a, I knew you were going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I, was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about it this, this morning because I'm pretty sure you ask, you ask most of your guests that. And that's how I'm having a real hard time picking. Because right now I'm in like research mode where I'm not like, and it is August. It's like the dog days of August going on right now. And so I'm not really entering anything. Too, I'm really, I'm not too crazy high on, on anything right now. I'm just totally in my, my, my research phase and trying to, to see how things may change before that deadline. So I've been looking at, I guess, I've been looking at trips that are current okay. right now. That, because um, as far as I'm concerned, the their trips may be a thing of a past after the deadline. Like they might just kind of cease to exist just for, for whatever reason. So I'll give a list right now. Of, there's 20 of them that are trips and uh, they're current as of right now. There's 20 of them. They're the last ones that are left, I'm pretty sure. So uh, right now it's HCMC, MDCN, RETC, INCT, GTEH, CBDL, FTEG, GNCP, MRNJ, USMJ, RBNW, GRSO, BDGR, PRPM, QBAN, and TMGI. And then there's every day it changes because some leave trips or that sort of thing. But I've been trying to look at each one of those and figure out where maybe a good a good entry to like I want one big trip play again because I just have this gut feeling that. They're going to be scarce. Yeah, not. Nah, I agree. I think that the new trips is going to be the subs, the low subs, right? So those double zero one zeros, those double zero one zeros, yeah, five range will probably be the what's considered new trips. Yep, um, yep. But even you giving us that right there, that's going to give the listeners something to like go research on their own, right? So you're about to have everyone like he just gave us the last twenty current trips. So let's yeah let's start diving <laughs> into. So that that's fine too. <laughs> I've asked you a ton of questions. I like to open it up, especially when I get to meet people off Twitter, off the Telegrams, off some of the group chats. This has been an interesting interview, you know, and I didn't know what I was going to get out of this. A lot of times people think I, I know the people I bring on. The majority of them I don't. It's just sure, yeah. you know, <laughs> open invites and, and we're all speaking about our journeys and sharing our stories because every day there's a new trader and we're able to hopefully help minimize their mistakes so they can do better than we, what we did when we first started off. So any questions you have for me, anything come to mind you want to know? I'm pretty much like open book. Yeah. So the, I know you're, you, at least just from listening to your, to your, the other episodes and stuff that you, you're really into the, the, the SSM monopoly plays that are going on right now. And um, I guess first off, could you give a brief synopsis 
I'm I'm a little f- familiar. I've been tracking it for a little bit, and I was in a couple and didn't even know it. But could you give a broad overview, real quick, just for anybody listening, as to what those actually are? So SS Monopoly is pretty much it's like like a what's the com- like basically like a company. They're a credible group, a credible company that's getting custodial ship right of of a lot of tickers, quality tickers. Maybe they have their shells right. They have good financials. Or even tickers where the share structure is good, but it needs to be cleaned up, right? The company might have some convertible debt. And what SS Monopoly would do is once they get custodial ship, they'll start doing like the filings. And then in between the filings, they might start reaching out to some of those people that if the, the, the ticker had some debt, they'll reach out to them and just try to help resolve some of that, you know, prior to then figuring out, okay, can we do an acquisition or, or do a merger, right? So it's, you know, so with their credibility, that's one thing I like with them. Um, the fact that so far, most they have followed through very well as far as like and been transparent on the progress of each ticker. Right. So even now, when TD Ameritrade pushed up their deadline, SS Monopoly was like, we won't have a problem meeting their deadline. So a lot of people is like instantly when TD Ameritrade created that fake deadline i put air quotes a lot of people just start selling on tickers that wasn't current for whatever reason and it's like their deadline really don't mean much it's the sec sec deadline we need to worry about so ss monopoly they do a good job as far as when they get custodialship following through with filings being transparent and then from what i've been able to gather right with my research and then reaching out to some more good traders they have good relationships worldwide, right? So they're they're good with finding companies. Maybe companies are looking to go public. Maybe companies want to, they have something that needs to be acquired. And by SS Monopoly presenting a public, a publicly traded clean stock ticker, it can have massive movement. So that's- And so as of right now, that seems to be uh, a, a type of player of, of which you, you think is- um, has a, a huge amount of upside. Something I wanted to ask is, because I like to see trends before they come, obviously. I mean, who wouldn't in, in the realm of, of work, quote, unquote, that we do? So like before, there was a lot of blockchain plays that were running like crazy not too long ago. And then before that, and even obviously still now, but when there was that bill in Congress, a lot of marijuana plays were obviously running like crazy, kind of around election time, I think it was, if I remember correctly. And then um, EV plays also had their sort of uh, little run. And it seems like they move in segments where the whole sector will, will run. What do you think is a possible type of play that no one's really talking about yet that it is next, if so to speak? It could be like a sector or just something like an SS. A monopoly where like it's that type of play do you do you foresee or have any like ideas towards like what may be next in terms of like one sector that just runs wild kind of like those other ones so once i think we've had this like six month period with custodial ships is probably like the hottest thing right now especially in the otc world i think yeah i had a couple that ran like nuts <laughs> so <laughs> i think once all that passes right and then a lot of these custodial ships either sink or swim. What I mean by that is like, I think SS Monopoly set a trend and then other people who, who who had certain financials piggybacked off that trend, but they might not have relationships to do mergers, to do acquisitions. So eventually 
it's going to be interesting to see what those stocks do. Like, are they, do they just fall completely off? Like, I, and I would hate to think so because a lot of people are spending a lot of money to get the filings in, right? To do all that. So it only makes sense that they would potentially <laughs> because uh, the reason that they're even in this is that they're not the greatest up to date in terms of filing type of company that needs a merger or something, right? So like, if that doesn't work out, like it almost seems like they're already in their last stages of like, just being a company. Maybe I don't know. I don't know as much <laughs> as you do about the type of play. I just that only makes sense, right? Yes. So, but to to answer your questions and um, what I personally think is we're going to have, there's a few, right? So I think once this deadline passes, we, we're going to have a few things. The one trend is going to be the cream of the crop of penny stocks are going to rise. So I think a lot of money then is going to start flowing into these companies that are current, that have good financials, that have good products, right? So yeah, non-OTCs are probably going to start jumping in too because there's more regulation and stuff. They'll feel safer about it. So that yeah, that makes sense. So besides that, so I think that's going to be one. And so if you notice, most of the tickers I mentioned, if they're not SS Monopoly plays, they have a product, right? They're current. So those are the ones that I'm pretty much looking and putting focus on now as well. It's like what penny stocks out there are credible, current, and have legit products. And then have low convertible notes. So that's one path. And then I think the other path is we we should definitely keep an eye on. One is how, what does America do with this whole cryptocurrency, right? You know, there's all these coins out there. I think eventually they're going to, one, have to adapt and accept it. But the other thing is if they do accept it, it's saying, okay, we're going to accept these four or five cryptocurrencies. Right now, so many coins that it's, it's watered down. It feels like every company, especially in the penny stock world, like, and the ones in the subs are like, hey, we're going blockchain, we're going crypto, we're going to create our own coin. It runs rapid. And then it's like, uh, it's so many steps and things you have to do to become regulated, as we just saw with NSAV, right? That mm-hmm. it's not as easy as as they come off in press releases. So that's, that's going to be one where it's like, keep an eye on cryptocurrency, uh, see how that goes. And then... Don't sleep on EV plays. You got the batteries, you got, you know, the actual electronic vehicles. But I think battery plays are going to be a, a thing, as especially for small companies. Like a lot of companies supply batteries and they can potentially be a, a perfect buyout or acquisition opportunity for a bigger company, right? So if I have electronic vehicles, but I don't have that relationship with batteries, why not go find small companies who who build batteries and, sure. and try yeah. to acquire them? So I think those three or four areas would be three or four areas of focus as we get past that SEC deadline, as these custodial ships and the mergers and acquisitions start becoming lesser and lesser to start putting our focus on. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. Those all are just, to me, they, like, they've been trending sectors for the for the most part, like EV and um, uh, um, some of the others that you had mentioned, like blockchain slash crypto, that 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 sort of stuff. So oh, it, and, it's and only gonna on, and don't sleep on marijuana. Eventually, I I can see it becoming. I know certain states are trying their hardest to prevent it, but the more and more that states legalize it, 
the, the more and more opportunities it presents for small businesses, especially uh, penny stocks too, to go public. So Yeah, yeah. I'd even go a step further and say some of the companies that are looking at like psychedelics and stuff, just to be on a real ground floor level because we are years away from like legislation and, and stuff like that. But just to find something, what could be next? Because I think a lot of people recognize marijuana as like a, a very hot play kind of right now but i'm just trying to think into like the future almost to like to like where you could even like so along those lines something like a psychedelics or or any other kind of stuff that we wouldn't accept right now kind of thing like (laughs) keeping the keeping the mind open is like a something i i I think that's helping me try to see into the future almost kind of and that's how you make the best like long term kind of plays i I think that definitely makes sense but yeah any other questions or anything else that come to mind? I did have one more. Okay. I know we're, we're running up the clock a little. It's been a, a little over an hour, but I, I did have one more for you. I, you mentioned a lot that uh, share structure and, and catalysts are kind of the two things that you immediately point to when you, you know, if someone mentions a play or something, it's like, so what's the share, share structure and what's the catalyst? Is there anything else? I'm trying to improve as well to what I immediately look at because I think I get caught in the weeds a little and I end up looking at a lot of stuff that isn't relevant or I do get too deep in the chart knowing that it's not like totally relevant to how it's going to move at that particular moment. So is there anything else you could, you know, even for the listeners, not just for my own use, but is there anything anything else you can immediately point to when you're kind of looking and analyzing a particular ticker that you think, you know, shows gains i think we touched on pretty much all of them so we of course the share structure the catalyst also you know we spoke about volume those are probably three of the major and then i also want to know notes i want to know how much debt do they really have uh, yeah I've seen, some, I've seen some quality stocks take off and then they hit a certain price point and they have so much debt it comes right back down and just ruins it like i think this C- I- cbdd or cbd no cbdl was one where it was over a penny and it triggered, I believe, certain notes. Yeah, that's on the trips. That's on the trips. <laughs> pink current list. Yeah. So if, if they went from, I don't I don't know too much about the ticker, but if it went from a penny back down to chips, then damn, like. It did it quick too. Right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that is wild. But yeah, that's, that's why I got to hire someone who knows all the balance sheet stuff. Because <laughs> yeah, I really. We have those episodes, like though. Like we, we have those episodes where we break down some of the filings and what to look for at a high level. And, the, and yeah. the beauty of it is you don't really have to look at all those those filings in great detail. You just have to understand the key words. So I would challenge you is take some time, even if you got time on the weekend, pull up some filings and then just look at, just type in convertible notes, right? Or debt or liabilities, liability and assets. And you're able to confirm certain things and any other, any other key triggers that come to mind You'll have your little, you'll have your list of words. So whenever you're looking at a statement or any filings, you're like, I'm not about to read a hundred pages, but I can. Yeah, yeah, I do that. Control F. Yep, <laughs> I do like float and outstanding when I'm looking for its past share structures. Yeah, and I know exactly what you mean, but you just like you need to find something direct, that kind of thing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But yeah, the market stalker, I, again, I just want to thank you for coming on, sharing your story, your journey. I think people are going to learn a lot from you, to be honest. I feel like 
your transparency and your and your willingness to say like, hey, I was at the highest of highs, I hit the lowest lowest of lows, and then I bounced right back. So if I can lose a million or two and bounce back, you can handle a few losses when they occur and and use it as a springboard. So, yeah, man, you, you throw me in the jungle, I come out with a chinchilla coat. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way you got to think. This market will eat you up. For anybody that's listening, it, it will test your whole, your spine and, and everything, you know? So ha- having that mindset to wake up every day and be like, nah, I'm going to win today. Like today's my kind of day. It goes a long way. I think it helps your whole way of thinking, your confidence and that sort of thing. So awesome. I do think that's big. And, and thank you again for coming on and sharing that story. I'm at loss for words just hearing about it and, and everything. It just makes some things I preach about, you know, hearing it from you and your own story. It just it makes everything puts it in perspective. So it's not just lip, lip service when I say it. Right. So sure. Yeah. So there's definitely. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of examples for the people listening to it uh, that I'm sure it'll, it'll hopefully touch on. By the way, the, uh, my Twitter handle is. It's different than the, the market stock. It's um, at uh, the mock sark so- <laughs> the mock circuit. I just switched stock and market, but it's T H E M O C K S A R K E T. For anybody who wants to give me a follow, I try to tweet things that I'm looking at that you know hopefully can can help. And I'm I'm not a a pumper and dumper. I'm the farthest thing from it. Trust me. I'm like. <laughs> like totally on the more transparent side that like uh, i'll be open with why i like a ticker kind of thing you know so which i don't see a whole lot of so hopefully you know we can open up some good dialogues in this community yeah i'm, I'm happy you did it you volunteer gave your twitter information i wasn't going to put you on the spot just because of you know you might have a lot of people you might have over a million people now asking a million questions regards to <laughs> going from a millionaire back down and back up so like, yeah, hey, I, you're throwing yourself in that fire so yeah. i don't mind it on this one because i made it just pretty much for that so i could follow stuff but i won't get my personal one man screw that <laughs> now i got you so um this concludes today's episode As always, if you can, please rate, write a review of the platform you're listening to allows you to do so. If you have any questions or topic requests or, you know, you want to accept my invite and be a guest on on the podcast, please email me at pennystockwhisperer at gmail.com. Other than that, have a good day and see you later.